You are listening to Sermon Snippets with Max Taylor, where we exposit God's Word and apply its instruction to our everyday lives. As we study God's Word, we are learning truth that corrects our thinking, meets our needs, and teaches us more about Christ. Here's your host, Max Taylor. Well, I am so excited about getting into Daniel chapter 4, and one of the reasons for that is just because of the historical significance of this chapter. To me, one of the craziest things of studying the Bible is seeing where secular history and biblical history collide. And there's, you know, many intersections, many points in the Bible where you see into secular history and and you can substantiate what was happening with the biblical record. And that's one of the, these places is where we are today in Daniel chapter 4, where we're going to look at King Nebuchadnezzar and his salvation testimony. We're going to see his conversion. And as we've talked about before, we've seen a couple times already in the book of Daniel, twice, where he had some encounters with God, or maybe he made a confession about God about the true God, but today we're going to read about his conversion. And there's a big difference between having some encounter with God or hearing about God or knowing something about God and then truly making peace with God and coming to know God on a personal level. We're going to see that transformation take place in this chapter, but it's a long chapter, so we're not going to get through all of it today. But we do get an over overview and the introduction to this chapter. So we're going to start reading Daniel chapter 4, verse 1, which says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king. And so right away, we know that this is a different chapter in the book of Daniel because it's written by Nebuchadnezzar himself. The author has changed. So whereas before, we're reading about accounts of Daniel and his friends And we read when Daniel interpreted Nebuchadnezzar's dream the first time and he made some statements about God and how he was wise and how he could understand mysteries. And then we read about Daniel's three friends and how they went through the fiery furnace. And Nebuchadnezzar again said that their God was the true God and even put a punishment on people who would not um, worship their God. And today we get into chapter four and there's a, there's a shift and the author. So now Nebuchadnezzar himself is writing. And remember, this is still in this ancient Chaldean language. And so it's Syriac, you know, is, is what's being written in. So this is the king himself writing. And it says, Nebuchadnezzar, the king unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth, peace be multiplied unto you. Now, that certainly does not sound like the Nebuchadnezzar we've been reading about, but it is. But he's he's gone through a massive change in his life, and it's detailed here for us in this chapter. Verse 2, as we continue in this introduction, says, I thought it good to show the signs and wonders that the high God hath wrought toward me. How great are his signs and how mighty are his wonders. His kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. And his dominion is from generation to generation. So right here in the introduction, he tells us what he's going to be writing about in this chapter. Just imagine for a second that God used one of the most, 
one of the truest monarchs of all of history to pin a chapter of the Bible. And not only that, but God repeatedly gave this man personal revelation. These visions that he had, these dreams that he had, was God trying to get his attention to give him uh, specific messages to try to show him himself and to try to bring this king, this powerful world ruler, to a saving relationship with God. It's fascinating. It's amazing to think that this was really happening in history with one of the most popular, well-known kingdoms, the Babylonian Empire, back in ancient time. But before we get into this dream, we see that one of the biggest problems here, and we're going to see this resolved in this chapter, is the issue of humility. And that's really one of the biggest differences in this Nebuchadnezzar that we just heard from and the Nebuchadnezzar that we've been reading about earlier in this book. And it it really teaches us the lesson that humility is required for salvation. See, in this vision that we're about to read, God sends Nebuchadnezzar a trial to teach him humility. And that's really the lesson that we're going to see. So we just got through his introduction. Now we're going to see him do something that we've seen Nebuchadnezzar do before. He's going to back up and tell us about a time when he sent out a decree. And that decree was asking for all of his wise men, all of his counselors to come together to try to answer the meaning of a dream that he had, of a vision that he saw. So this is just like what happened earlier in the book. And uh, we're going to pick up reading in verse 4. It says, I, Nebuchadnezzar, was at rest in mine house and flourishing in my palace. So there we see the problem of pride. And that's going to come back in this chapter. He says, I saw a dream which made me afraid, and the thoughts of my or the thoughts upon my bed and the visions of my head troubled me. Therefore made I a decree to bring in all the wise men of Babylon before me that they might make known unto me the interpretation of the dream. Then came the magicians, the astrologers, the Chaldeans, and the soothsayers. We've seen all these guys before. Remember all their job descriptions. All of them come parading in before the king. And he says in verse 7, And I told them the dream before them, but they did not make known unto me the interpretation thereof. But at the last, Daniel came in before me, whose name was Belteshazzar, according to the name of my God. You see here is paganism. So he refers to Daniel as his Hebrew name, Daniel, and then he says whose name was Belteshazzar. That's the name that the Babylonians had given him uh, after their pagan religion, according to the name of my God, in whom is the spirit of the holy gods. So he's a little closer. He is saying that Daniel's God is different, but he refers to plural gods. Then he says, and before him I told the dream. It's so interesting that Daniel was the last resort for the king, which you would think that when Daniel had already come through in the time that the king had exhausted all of his other options and nothing else gave him the answers and the meaning that he was looking for, that you would think that the king would go to Daniel first this time, but he doesn't. 
And so again, he exhausts all of his other options. He goes through all of his other counselors. And when nothing gives him a satisfying answer, you know, maybe he was giving these guys a second chance. He, it seemed like he already didn't trust them and he tested them the last time he was going to put all of them to death. But now he goes to Daniel a second time, kind of his last resort here. And he explains the dream to him. O Belteshazzar, master of the magicians, because I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in thee, and that no secret troubleth thee, tell me the vision of my dream that I have seen and the interpretation thereof. Thus were the visions of my head upon my bed. I saw, and behold, a tree in the midst of the earth, and the height thereof was great. The tree grew, and it was strong, and the height thereof reached unto heaven, and the sight thereof to the end of all the earth. The leaves thereof were fair, and the fruit thereof much, and in it was meat for all. The beasts of the field had shadow under it, and the fowls of the heaven dwelt in the boughs thereof, and all the flesh was fed of it. I saw in the visions of my head upon my bed, and behold, a watcher and an holy one came down from heaven, and he cried aloud and said thus, Hew down the tree, and cut off his branches, shake off his leaves, and scatter his fruit. Let the beasts get away from under it, and the fowls from his branches. Nevertheless, leave the stump of his roots in the earth, even with a band of iron and brass and the tender grass of the field, and let it be wet with the dew of heaven, and let his portion be with the beasts and the grass of the earth. Let his heart be changed from man's, and let a beast's heart be given unto him, and let seven times pass over him. This manner is, by the decree of the watchers and the demand of the word of the holy ones, to the intent, now don't miss this, says to the intent that the light, or that the living may know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdoms of men, and giveth it to whomever he will, and setteth up over it the basest of men. So there he he gives in the very description of the dream the intent. So the purpose is written into the dream that everyone would know that the Most High, that is the true God, the God of the Bible that Daniel worshipped, the God of the Hebrews, is the one who is really ruling, really in charge, really in control of all the kingdoms of men. And it says that God gives the kingdoms of the earth to whoever God will, whoever God decides. God delegates that power over the earth to those rulers that he specifically picks out and raises up. And that it says he setteth up over it the basest of men. What a humbling description that the most powerful world rulers, God looks at as the basest of men. And so God is making a claim that he is almighty, all powerful in control. So in verse 18, we read this dream, I, King Nebuchadnezzar, have seen. Now thou, O Belshazzar, declare the interpretation thereof, for as much as all the wise men of my kingdom are not able to make known unto me the interpretation. Oh, no kidding. And he says, But thou art able, for the spirit of the holy gods is in thee. 
So this is the king's request. He comes to Daniel. He says, I need you to tell me what this means. And it's not an easy message. It's something that Daniel's going to tell the king. But first, we read in verse 19, it says, Then Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar, was astonished for one hour, and his thoughts troubled him. And we're going to leave off there in our reading of the text. But really, we see the impression, the impact that this vision had on Daniel. And that really goes a long way to show us Daniel's heart. He didn't want to bash this king over the head about his pride issues, about his his sin. He really was sincerely troubled about the meaning of this dream because he knew it was not going to be good or easy to tell the king. But he had to. And that message, as we're going to see, is the message of what was standing in between the king and being right with God, his sin of pride. And that's the same thing that Christ really describes in the Sermon on the Mount, where he says in the first beatitude, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And that's a whole deeper discussion on the Sermon on the Mount and who it's intended for. I will say that it is not specifically, it's not first a roadmap on how to get to heaven, but it is a description of those who are saved. And what it's teaching is that the kind of person who will see God, who will live with God forever, is a person who has to have poorness of spirit, who has to have humility. And that's the message that God is giving to Nebuchadnezzar here in this chapter. As we're going to see in this vision, it's a message that he must have humility that's required if he's going to be right with God. So we'll pick up there next week as we continue in the testimony of King Nebuchadnezzar. Thank you for listening to Sermon Snippets. If this Bible study is a help to you, consider downloading the weekly episodes or sharing this podcast with a friend. Until next time, remember that God's Word is perfect, and it's everything you need to live for Him.